who am I? Why am I here? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Tear down this wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. These are dark times, there is no denying. Our world has perhaps faced no greater threat than it does today. But I say this to our citizenry. We, ever your servants, will continue to defend your liberty and repel the forces that seek to take it from you. Your ministry remains strong. From the nine and three quarters floor of the AC building at Bethel (laughs) University, it's Election Shock Therapy Special Edition. Harry Potter. This th- we are finally doing. Like we're finally listening to our fans. This is what people, <laughs> people don't want. Ins- we've been listening to our fan. That's right. <laughs> but they're a loud fan. Yeah. So um, or they're at least the kind of fan you would turn on to fall asleep at night. Like they they make enough noise that like a white noise kind of fan. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> well, welcome everybody. Well, that's a thing people do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. but uh, thinking of our fan as either white noise or droning. I, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. I lo- oh, okay, we have more than one fan. I hope uh, our we've had this. several people ask us to pick up our occasional series of politics of fictional worlds. Yep. In the past, mm-hmm. uh, we've covered um, Lord of the Rings. Yep. We've covered Star Wars. Yep. And now it's time to uh, del- delve into the J.K. Rowling oeuvre um, and to think Oofra. about the politics. Of the Harry Potter world, and we've assembled a crack team of Harry Potter experts here, which is, <laughs> as it happens, an exact match of our typical EST podcast crew. Yes. So, <laughs> joining me here in the studio today is Andy Bramson, Mitchell Crum, and Sam Mulberry. And I need to say, this might be the first of my podcasts that my daughter will listen to. <laughs> nice. yes, that's I've, I've done about three hundred of these. This might be the first one I can get her to listen to. <laughs> it's exciting. So I just really quick, because I know Sam, of course, has a meeting. I so do. I'm going to start yes. with you, Sam. Tell us about your interaction, kind of like you, what is your um, history with the Harry Potter series? Okay, so the first book comes out in the mid-'90s, right? Yeah, 97. Okay. Yeah, so I was in college, so I was yep. not reading Harry Potter when it came out. Um, I just kind of ignored it, and, like, people seemed to like it, but it was not on my radar screen. And then when I had kids – um, this becomes sort of an essential text. So I started reading these probably like five years ago, and I was okay. I found myself walking around going to people and saying, you know what's really good is Harry Potter. I was, <laughs> I was saying this in 2013. So, um, you're, you're like that kid in like 2010 that since like U2 is a good band. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay. That's right. So, uh, and I had watched yeah. the movies previously, but I was – uh, I was kind of bored with them. Like, or, or I shouldn't mm-hmm. say bored with them. I found them kind of boring because what I realized after reading the books is those movies are really made for people who've read the books because right. mm-hmm. they don't spend mm-hmm. a lot of time explaining stuff. Like, they explain things, yeah. but real quick, yeah. and if you missed it and didn't know that that was going to be important, they don't really go back to it. So yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I like the movies a lot more now having since having read the books. So yeah. I actually finished reading yeah. the books. Um, I read 
I had read the first two, and then last January um, on sabbatical, I read the rest of them nice. because we went to Harry Potter World for spring break. Oh, yeah. So okay. that was to, to prepare for that. So cool. I love love the books, um, especially the uh, Order of the Phoenix is my favorite. I think. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Yeah, All right, we're gonna come back to Not that. My favorite. And um, Mitch, we're gonna hit you last on this experience ex- experience yes. train. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Andy, what's your experience with the Harry Potter books? So my my experience with the Harry Potter books goes back a good bit further than Sam's. Um, I was in a church where people were very skeptical of Harry Potter in the years after it came out. And so this is around 2000, 2001. So I was in college. And they were skeptical in the sense they didn't believe in magic? Or they skeptical no, in the I sense that, they, well, they definitely didn't believe in magic, but they also <laughs> believed that the, the magic in the books would be corrosive to the youth of the city, so to speak. Gotcha. I can borrow a term from Plato, right? So yep. um, they were really concerned about this. And, and I had a number of these conversations where people would be like, you know, Harry Potter is, it teaches magic and sorcery, and, and it's bad for people to read, right? And then it would be like, well, have you read it? Well, no, but I've heard, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a number of these, and I just sort of thought, this is kind of weird. Like, we're all sort of criticizing something we haven't actually encountered. We're only going off sort of the, the you know, the, the version we get in sort of the stereotype, right? And so I thought, I'm going to read these because I've, I felt like I was not You tempted. rebel. Yeah, I felt like I was not <laughs> tempted toward dark magic. Um, I, I struggle with various sins in my life. That's not That's what everybody them. says um, before I know, right, they encounter right. the dark but magic. But I feel like mm-hmm. 19 years later, I feel like it was an okay choice. <laughs> so um, I, I read them and I actually thought, okay, A, this is actually really quite good literature. They're good stories. Um, and B, I didn't think the, the magic was particularly problematic in the sense that it's in a fictional world. And mm-hmm. in a fictional world, you can create different kind of rules um, that are kind of fair enough. So so I, I love the books kind of from the first reading. I thought these are great. Um, and so I got in probably, I guess there were three, maybe three out when I started reading. Okay. Um, mm. And the th- maybe the fourth one came out shortly thereafter. And it's been a kind of faithful year ever since. My wife and I were definitely all about getting that, that last one that came out and reading it aloud to each other. Um, a lot of fun. So, And so I'm reading them to my daughter. I'm, I'm in number two now. So. so I started reading them about the same time that you did. There were four books out and I started reading them. And I have a very clear recollection of exactly how I encountered Harry Potter because um, I had gone to graduate school. I was in graduate school at Ohio State University. And um, that first year, the reading lists are just extensive. And so one yeah, of the things that does for you is it trains you to be um, an extremely rapid reader. Um, right. Of everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had spent, you know, um, a school year just, you know, plowing through a thousand pages or more of, of technical right. reading a, a week. And then I got to the summer. And before I started my summer program, um, I had a few weeks of just, I had nothing to do. Wow. And uh, I was kind of, I had, I had already played both of my roommates in chess. And the... Uh, <laughs> They were, all the fun they were starting to get a little bit annoyed with me. And so they, and my, my Are you that good at chess? Or no, bad I'm bad. Chess? That's okay. the problem. Okay. Yeah. Um, they're good. I wasn't. Um, okay. Got it. But they, I, uh, they, they said, well, my, my roommate, Vaughn Shannon, who's a professor at Wright State University now, said, hey, uh, you ever read the Harry Potter books? See, I wish he would have said, have you ever played Wizard's Chess? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, have you ever read, have you read the Harry Potter books? And I said, uh, no. And he goes, well, I got, I got the first four here. And he threw the first one at me. And that Please started. Please go away. He did it to <laughs> shut you up. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. He's like, let me go back to my introvert space. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. And so what, what, what happened from the time I cracked the book is I kind of entered into this fugue state where Ooh. 48 hours Ooh. later I emerged having read all four books. Wow. Nice. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's hardcore. Um, yeah. And with kind of like kind of crazed, unshowered, this sort of like um, – Disheveled, and I'm like, like walking up to him, like kind of half deranged, like Voldemort's back. 
back. <laughs> and then I had to wait, you know, for a year and a half for the next book to come out. Right, so right. I had this like really essentially like drug trip of the first four Harry Potter books. Yep. That was my exposure to the series. Um, Mitch, you have actually brought a visual aid. I have. Uh, to talk about your exposure That's to the true. series. So why don't you tell us about your exposure to Harry Potter and then um, what you've brought here today. So Mitch is the new so kid on the block. I am the Potter. new kid on the block, yep. so I'll definitely be relying on others. Uh, I have only ma- I'm only on the third book at this time, so I have not read um, beyond that. Uh, basically, part of the main reason for... For my exposure really is preparation in some ways for this podcast. I knew we were thinking about doing this. <laughs> You're welcome. And so, exactly. I love you studied for our Harry Potter I podcast. I did. And so, uh, my wife and I, who had neither one read the series, we both were in, uh, once again, grew up in context that were skeptical yeah. of this. Right. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, we just, we had, we, we neither one had watched any of the movies, read any of the yeah. books. Um, Addie um, has actually finished the entire series. Um, I'm only on book three, so that tells you. Well, you surely uh, should have had Addie in here. I know. You should have had Addie in here. It's yeah. true. But uh, uh, at any rate, so I've seen all the movies twice now uh, in preparation for this. And uh, I was just in, uh, I think we mentioned before, I was in uh, I, I was in Florida. Uh, mm-hmm. And what I brought along, uh, because I st- uh, there, was a, mm-hmm. a, there was a Harry Potter store at the Orlando airport, uh, I bought, actually I bought two things. Okay. Um, and the first thing I didn't bring with me, uh, but I don't know if we're going to talk about this later. But you know, there is the Pottermore website. That's did you buy a Firebolt? I did not buy a Firebolt, <laughs> but there is there 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 is the Pottermore website, which is uh, partially involved with J.K. Rowling, where you can discover your house and mm-hmm. your. Um, uh, uh, Patronus oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and your wand and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, at any rate, Addie and I both did it. And Addie, as you might imagine, uh, discovered that her house is Hufflepuff. Okay. okay. So yeah. not fully surprised yet. Not yeah. No. Not surprised. No. So anyway, I bought her. I bought her a Hufflepuff mug. So, That's right. So okay. she has that. Would but anyway, you, and a mug is the exact right gift to give a. Hufflepuff. You, are exactly. you going to share with our our listeners what you were, or do we not want to know that? Oh no, I can I can or share. Too scared. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, so 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 my so my house in case in case anyone is curious as as you know is is uh, is Ravenclaw. Oh okay. And uh, so yeah, so um, Professor Flitwick and I not are Slytherin. BFFs. No, no, right, I, I wasn't Slytherin. Um, but uh, what's fun also is, is you can find out your Patronus. And Addie's was uh, an, um, I'm going to get the uh, Osprey. I think is, is Osprey. Right? Osprey. Yeah. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. so that's pretty cool. Um, mine was mine. Mine was a little bit less cool. Um, so well, sorry, I just had, I left, but then I had to come back really quick. Yeah. Are, are you talking about your houses? Yes. Yes. Uh, so I took the Pottermore test. Yeah. yeah. Anybody <laughs> want to guess? Uh, I just heard you whisper. Oh, okay. So. Uh, anybody would guess? Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I, I think Hufflepuff is always the safe guess, right? Yeah, I like the Hufflepuffs. Actually, I turned out. I turned out the only one in my family who was a Gryffindor. So oh wow! Yeah, Sam. it sort of surprised yeah. me. I don't yeah. really. So you're you're basically serious black, right? Like, <laughs> right. You're, <yeah>. the, <laughs> you're the the Gryffindor in the crew. That's right. The anomaly. Right. All right, I'm gonna leave you guys right. do this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my watch out for dark doors, Sam. All right, so my so my Patronus turned out to be, and I have no idea how this is determined, but my mm-hmm. uh, it turned out turned out to be a field mouse. <laughs> so, uh, so that's which is I'm which is which is just delightful. A right? roughly yes. two ounce creature just wrecking shop on some exactly adventures. exactly. I love, I love this mental picture. Though. Yes. <laughs> so at any rate, while I was while I was there, I, I also bought a chocolate frog. And you have brought and said I brought said chocolate frog, frog here. It got slightly crushed on the plane oh, here, so I'm hoping oh, it's okay. okay. So you want jump? You're saying? Well, I'm hoping it'll still jump. But oh, and there it is. It is. There it is. It is a. Wow. Large piece of chocolate uh, in the yep. shape of a frog. That is a real 
Let's see. I'm gonna wow. set this down here you so might, I can open it up. That's serious. Oh, you can actually open it. Are you gonna eat it on on air? Oh, I figured you'd want to. Yes. Wow. He is opening the chocolate. He's opening frog. the chocolate frog. This Maybe. looks. Uh, we can report that a chocolate frog has about 777 calories. <laughs> According to the description. Uh, is uh, supposed to be d- d- uh, del- um, bl- split into 3.7 servings. Yes. And fortunately, there are three of us here now. Right, so we'll have to leave left. a seventh for yeah. Sam. Yes. yes. Yeah. But anyway, there wow. it is. It's, it's very large. It actually has a very bulbous-like mouth. Yeah. It is. It's, it's interesting. definitely a bullfrog. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gigantic. Yeah. It's, um, feel, it's not jumping. It appears jumping, to be which is a completely solid. It does that not jump. That is a jump. lot of chocolate. A lot of, yes. lack of jumping. Okay. All right. Well, let's see what it's supposed to have a card. Which yeah. wizard card is in Let's find out. <laughs> it is Godric Gryffindor. Oh, so we'll get to save that for Sam, then. Oh, oh, man. There we go. Well, that's very nice looking. So there it is. Yes. Yeah. It's, wow. a, it's sort of a lenticular picture. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, he doesn't seem to actually move, but. Well, we are, mu- we are muggles. So <laughs> are you saying the magic? Oh, that's true, I guess. You know. Yes, so. There it is. All right. <laughs> All right, Andy, do you, uh, we'll, we're going to get to our normal standard uh, our political standard questions, questions, but do you have a sense of your house? Um, oh, probably Ravenclaw for me, too. Yeah. Uh, Ra- Ravenclaws I are mean, heavily overrepresented in acad- yeah, academia. Academia is, is yeah, academia is kind of a, true. a place of Ravenclaws. So. I mean, let's, let's be I'm honest. definitely not. I'm not Gryffindor. I don't think I have that level of courage, unfortunately. I wish I did. <laughs> um, and I don't think I'm a Slytherin. I don't. I'm pretty optimistic I'm not slipping. So. <laughs> if you if you step back from the heroism of, of Harry and Ron and Hermione and those sorts of things, if you really think about it, uh, the Hufflepuffs and Ravenclaws are just try, trying to be students. They're just right. trying to get through their right. education. They're right. just trying to live a normal yep. life. Yep. And then you've got these like Slytherins and Gryffindors just blowing up the place. Yeah. Like yeah. most yeah. academics are the kind yep. of folks who just like, I just want to study and read my books. Can right. I just can Leave I just me do that? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so then the Ravenclaws are the upper end ones and the Hufflepuff are the more, you know. Yeah. Normal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. The people who actually like to have a social life. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so bless their hearts. Yes, indeed. They're not allowed yes, to indeed. do this. Yep. So, um, I want to remind people we have a series of questions, a series of eight questions that we use to dive into our our fictional worlds, and I'm going to keep us moving right along with these questions. Uh, this is a really rich text for politics. In fact, I mm-hmm. have to say that yep. uh, there's a professor, an emeritus professor at the University of Iowa, who teaches their um, kind of a version of Dr. Crumb's political ideologies class. Mm. And f- for his political ideologies class, of course he has tenure so he can get away with this. The <laughs> sole course text so do we. is all true, true that. Mm. The sole course text is um, all seven Harry Potter novels. Wow. Because he's convinced that all the main political ideologies that you need to confront in an intro ideologies class are mm. present in the Harry Potter texts. So this is a rich text. And also it lets him read the Harry Potter text. Right. <laughs> it, it, and I think and I imagine allows him to do relatively limited course prep. Anyway, um, <laughs> yep. what is or what are, since there may be more than one, the political systems of this universe? So this is actually a hard question because even though there are a lot of politics in, in Harry Potter, the political system is, I think, really unclear. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, the, the, the world, I guess we'll call it, um, and, and w- there's sort of the broader w- wizarding world, and then there's Britain, which is where right. most of the series is focused, but not all of it. Um, 
the Britain is run by the Ministry of Magic. The Ministry of Magic well, is to be clear, by a minister. There is a Muggle government, which is essentially the the, the current Shh. British government. Sure, right, right. There's also the Muggle government, that, like you know, for ordinary people like right, us. Right. So there is a prime minister. Um, yeah, but that's that doesn't. I mean, that barely comes into the story. Just correct. a little bit at the edge. Right. So the yeah. Wizarding World itself is run by the Ministry of Magic. The Ministry of Magic is basically uh, seems to be like a massive bureaucracy um, that um, is run by the minister. And it's not clear in the series itself how the minister selected. Now, J.K. Mm-hmm. Rowling is fond of kind of adding other things to this in her own comments to people. Mm-hmm. And so somewhere in the wikis, I remember finding that um, she said, you know, that the minister was elected to a seven-year term. Um, but in the seven years covered in the books, that never comes up. So um, There so are multiple ministers. There are multiple ministers, but they seem to be just appointed. We sort of elide over how they're yeah. chosen. Yeah, basically. Um, there's, you know, mentions that Dumbledore has turned it down several times, and it's not really clear how the other ones get in there. Nor is it clear um, that they have a party structure of any particular. No, there's time, nothing. Right? No mention of political parties. So, so it seems to be basically a bureaucracy with some head at the top, um, and the main purpose of it seems to be, you know, to keep keep the people from abusing their powers, wizards from abusing powers, which is a lot like government in general, and also, of course, to keep the wizarding world secret, right? To keep mm-hmm. it yes. um, out of view of Muggles, and so they spend a lot of effort. Uh, making sure that muggles, um, non-magic folk, do not figure out what is actually going on. Right. Um, and, and they're very separationist, right, in the sense that they don't want to help um, the muggles with their magical solutions, which they, you know, they could do, um, but they don't. They're also want. relatively, the, ma- the wizarding world is quite ignorant of the muggle world. Yes, and kind of weirdly so. ignorant yeah. of the muggle world. Like, they struggle with just even very basic things. Basic like, technologies. You know, like, yeah, or even, like, understanding yeah. the money that they have, right, which is, right. Um, yeah, so it's. Like, like that's kind of a recurring gag almost in the in the series, right. um, especially with Arthur Weasley, right? This like you know they they'll encounter Muggle stuff and it's like, whoa, that's really weird. What is the what is a plug? For, <laughs> right? Like, what do you do with right? it? So it's yeah, it's, it's the, the closest analogy that I've encountered recently is I heard an interview with a man who uh, was a London-based Hasidic Jew, um, and who okay. made a decision to leave his community. Um, and essentially become a more modernized uh, right. member of the of British society. And talking about prior to his decision to do so, how little he knew about the goings-on of the, of the society around him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Being utterly Ooh. unaware of who the prime minister was. Wow. wow. Um, or basic, uh, basic issues <coughs> in, in European politics. Mm-hmm. Um, or, even, or even Brexit as an issue. Cool. Yeah. So. What what I, if I get distracted here, it's because the smell of chocolate is lost. I know the chocolate frog is chocolate intoxicating. Frog is, it's true. He's sending off his aroma. Yeah. I'm going to be I'm going to be the stern school marm, or perhaps the Minerva McGonagall, uh, and I'm <laughs> saying Dolores. that for purposes of yeah, no, I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> um, um, and say that uh, it will screw up our audio quality if you guys start chowing on chocolate. That's in the middle true. Of this. So we, you can wait until you're done, <laughs> or, or um, we'll, we'll, we'll send you off on a monologue and then right, chow yeah. on chocolate. Okay, so so, so well, I want to ask. Um, oh, go ahead, Mitch. I was just gonna say. I mean, so I one of the things, and and again, I, I don't have as much exposure from the books, right? I'm still working my way through those when I have yeah. time, which is pretty rare. Um, but uh, what are you so busy with? I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just just from and again, this is from the films, and this is also from talking to Addie. So I was kind of I was kind of drilling her as we were yes. going through the movies Good. the second times to be like, what is this? At what's actually going on? What mm. and, and stuff like that. But one of the things that has kind of struck me when I was looking at it as I was thinking about it is the political system feels a little bit more almost like the Vatican in some ways. 
Mm, like in some in some in yeah, some ways yeah. in some ways like you look at it and it's like and again because we don't have any sort of like obvious way of how this person right. is selected but the minister does seem to be somebody who's like held in high esteem by especially sort of an elite wizardry yeah and so that sort of feels like cardinals and bishops and things like that um, and even though you know it's not sort of established that this yeah. is sort of the cardinal level wizard or whatever you don't ever have yeah. like those, that kind yeah. of class system although there is a wizard gamut. Well, <laughs> which is essentially their version right. of a Supreme Court, right? Exactly, and that's and that's and that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about like yeah. when they when they are in when they are in the wizen gamut. I mean, that basically uh, feels feels a lot like what you imagine sort of the um, a Council of Cardinals like looking like. Right. Sort of the yeah. and and sort of the way that they vote and the way that they're honored. I don't know yeah. it, when when I was looking at it and as I was thinking about it, especially going through it the second time, I I was just sort of struck by mm-hmm. sort of sort of mm-hmm. almost the religious element in that right. way, right? Yeah, no, that's that's a fair analogy, and if, if, if you, especially if you think about the old version of Vatican before the the selection process for the Pope was as clear as it is now, mm-hmm. right? With the co- College of Cardinals, yeah, that's actually not a bad a bad analogy. It's like a big bureaucracy headed by this figure who's in theory respected, but may or may not actually be right. right? Exactly. Maybe right. kind of a maybe kind of a bum, right? Um, Cornelius and, Fudge, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, how does he get there? Well. Because he's there. I mean, who knows? Right. right? And, and, and even with the sort of process being somewhat clarified now, it's still rather yeah. opaque. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not entirely. College of Cardinals? Yeah, the... Both. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, saying, I'm saying this is where the analogy <laughs> is there. We're weird political scientists here. So, what we're yeah. basically saying is we want Rowling to deviate from the story of Harry Potter to tell us about electoral law in the wizarding right. world. Exactly. Well, yeah. and this is where it gets weird with Rowling, right? Because she does want it, because she's kind of modern, she wants it to be democratic, which is why right. I think she said somewhere along the way they're elected to a seven year term. But if you were just reading the books, you mm-hmm. would assume it was selected by some sort of group of elites right. that decides who gets to, right. to run this right. ship kind of thing. I mean, right. so th- you don't get any sense of a kind of democratic process in the books. So, so in that right. regard, let me ask you kind of a literary version of this question. We know that Rowling, and I would defend her to be, as in, in a credible way, uh, draws from a lot of literary traditions yep. to mm-hmm. inform her books. Yep. Is, is her depiction of government and the governmental system especially more like Joseph Heller, like a Catch-22 version? Or is it more Kafka-esque, the sort of Byzantine, un- inscrutable uh, bureaucracy? Or is it something else? Is it Dickensian? What is, what is her, what's her default position? What is her default attitude towards the governing structures of the wizarding world? I mean, my impression, again, is that it does feel Kafka-esque sometimes, especially mm-hmm. when they're sort of like mm-hmm. running through all the chambers and they've got like right. all the letters and stuff. It's just right. like, who can possibly tell what these like hundreds of rooms <laughs> are doing and what all these right. hundreds mm-hmm. of people are up to? Like, how can we know? How could anybody possibly ever keep track of this or work through it? And that that feels like Kafka. I mean, that's just yep. sort of like, you know, it's just this bureaucracy that's running and nobody can possibly contain it or run it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's Leviathan run amok. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, I mean, so when, when when you're sort of like looking at the when, when when things need to happen, though, somebody can can make them happen. Like, I mean, you sort of think about again, I mean, I, I already mentioned like Dolores Umbridge. I mean, she mm-hmm. she can make stuff happen like she knows how to sort of work the system in that way. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And so it's not complete. It's obviously not completely inscrutable. So in that way, it sort of feels more. Um, yeah, it feels it feels it feels much more uh, usable in that way if to someone who's truly clever. Right, but you have to know the system to be able to pull that right, off. Right, exactly. So it's like yeah. it, it rewards kind of insiders. And she seems the characters that are the most insidery are often the ones that she holds in, in are either evil or she yeah. holds mm-hmm. in low esteem. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um, Arthur uh, Weasley, yeah. who is who is a functionary in the Ministry of Magic, is sort yeah. of this befuddled 
shunted off to a side office. Right. He's not really an insider. In, right. Um, right. In his own in, his own institution. Right. Yeah. And then you have Lucius and. Right. Umbridge he's not even really in there. But he's right. But he's sort of a gamer. Informal connections. Yeah. yeah. He's one of the Koch mm-hmm. brothers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, what other political theories? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, what other political? I should mention, even though we discussed the Ministry of Magic quite yeah. exclusively, it's not the only political system present uh, in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, is it fair to say that uh, Voldemort and the Death Eaters are a fascist insurgency? Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. I don't know. It's it's you know what's and this and this and this is where it gets weird. I think with with some of the politics, <laughs> you you really ha- so you have the ministry that in some sense is supposed to be ruling over all of the wizarding world. Correct. Yeah. And there's in in principle uh, whether they're whether you think of them as the Vatican or you think of them yeah. as some sort of um that you know sort of sort of executive run amok like you just right. sort of imagine our government minus congress and the courts or or or, may, or or even worse you just imagine here here's here's what here's how i might imagine it just imagine if the courts took over and were the only thing we just put them on top of the executive bureaucracy yeah. mm-hmm. you yeah. know yeah. um so you have like this elite sitting atop this massive right thing um but and they it, just self-perpetuate right and they just self-perpetuate yeah. um and you can kind of work your way up but um but 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 th- but then in the background then you have sort of you sort of have you don't just have one insurgency you have two insurgencies because you have because mm. you have Voldemort's right. crew on the one hand who are trying to sort of take absolute power in some right. sense right where you get Vol- right. and trying to sort of empower Voldemort but then on the other hand you also have the Order of the Phoenix yep. and the Order of the Phoenix yep. is not particularly it's not like they're an arm of the Ministry no and right. they're not also the opposite. right they're not friendly to the Ministry so they're yeah. sort of another insurgency um, that are really resistant yeah. to the Ministry particularly when Cornelius Fudge is in charge I mean they're actually mm-hmm. you know really fighting him in some ways too um, and yeah and so and so it's yeah. not and it's not, and, and one of the interesting things is it's sort of in thinking about it, it's not clear what the Order of the Phoenix really wants. I mean, they want Voldemort gone, yeah, obviously. Right. I mean, that's their, their mission, but it's not clear, like, what they... No, nobody sort of in the in, in the Order of the Phoenix is sort of thinking institutionally. Like, how do we stop Although Voldemort? Although they ultimately do. To, I well, mean, to be true. clear... Um, they take over. The, the, the resolution yeah, right. of, the, of, the, of the stories concludes with, with key members of the Phoenix true. becoming... Uh, key leaders of the ministry, essentially reconstituting the government of the society in a right. much more Phoenix-oriented way, more egalitarian, more right. acceptant of other species, for example, those kinds of things. Kind of, although that's where it gets, again, very fuzzy, right? She's very fuzzy on the politics. So the big goal is get, getting Voldemort gone, and once that happens, it's like, okay, Kingsley Shacklebolt's the sort of interim minister mm-hmm. of magic, and eventually when you get that like sort of flash-forward, you know, you find that Harry and Hermione are both working for the ministry, but... Mm-hmm. But it's really vague, like what's actually mm-hmm. happened, have things changed, or are they just now also, you know, functionaries in this sort of bureaucratic <laughs> machine? I mean, like it's, yeah, it's, she's not very specific about her positive vision of the good in terms of the, the governmental structure. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's more about and, what's bad. And, and, you know, in some ways, I mean, in thinking about it too, and again, maybe this is partially, it, it sort of feels like that's, that's part of the point. In mm-hmm. some ways, it almost feels like there's almost a, a libertarian vibe to me in some ways, mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. sort of like g- things are best when yeah. you have minimal intervention is sort right. of what she suggests at times. But that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And yep. in this uh, in a world in which almost everybody has mystical capabilities of providing for their own needs. Right. Yeah. Yep. Where um, there are poor wizards, which doesn't make any sense. It to doesn't me. make any sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That is just bizarre. I don't understand that. Like, why um, is the Weasley's house a pile of junk? Like, there's, <laughs> there's no they're literally like wizards. Come on. <laughs> yeah. 
that. They can magic yes. all this stuff, and they can't magic their house. They can't like replicate gold. Right. Like, yeah, but even <laughs> they can replicate paint. <laughs> I mean, like, come on. <laughs> like, I just, it doesn't <laughs> Oh, there, there are moments where I'm like, okay, I just have to. Sit it's mystical. Like, it's magic. I know, I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. I still enjoy the books despite that, but it doesn't make any sense. At the end of the day, the magic floor. wealth is more interesting than magic poverty. Yeah. <laughs> because like they can um, they can do things, good things with their garden. They can they can actually replicate food to some extent, right? right? Yeah. I mean, right. it's just yeah, it's just bizarre that they're as poor as they are. I mean, even if you <laughs> even if you kind of come to the conclusion that. Uh, wizards have to observe like Newtonian physics, and they can't yeah. create matter out of nothing. Right, they can't, and they can't do that. That is one of the rules that they're not allowed to break. Right, even even so, like, you think that like the, the the economy, the politics of this world make way more sense than the, the economics <laughs> of this world. The economics of this world are garbage. Yeah, yeah. But it's again, that's fine. It's run by goblins. Of course, it would be garbage. <laughs> Ooh, okay, Ooh, we'll that's such a specious comment. That's so specious. Um, but I, I'm going to actually put, take a harder line than you are. I, I think that Voldemort is a clear stand-in um, for uh, for certainly racial superiority. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. And oh, for sure. a certain Absolutely. kind of of, yeah. of, uh, of hierarchical fascism that, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. in, the, yeah. in the wizarding world. Yeah, I think um, Mitch's disagreement is more that it's – what you don't have is, like, fascism versus the government. You have, like, no, insurgency right. one versus insurgency right. two, and the government is somehow this pawn in the middle. Exactly. That right. is sort of just the being sort bounced of hapless. around. And you have this sort of like progressive, yeah. uh, like, progressive liberal uh, putsch yeah. against a <laughs> fascist coup, yeah. and it's this thing that and both of them are interested in actually populating the government. Uh, yeah. Even yeah. after mm-hmm. Voldemort seizes right. power temporarily, um, the ministry is has fallen, but it doesn't go away. That no, uh, no, his, his, own, his underlings reconstitute yeah. the ministry for right. their own nefarious purposes. Right. Yeah. So All it's right. Not, it's not a very institutional focused story, right? It's very much about. Individuals, individual heroism. being able, being yeah, able to right. do what they want to do and use power for their and own. And I'm okay with that. And this isn't a literary critique. Uh, this is yeah. a, you know, we're, we're sort of teasing out politics right. where politics doesn't necessarily belong. Which is not her main point. And right. In some ways, I think she captures government probably as a lot of young middle schoolers observe government, which is this <laughs> complex, <laughs> complex, inscrutable yeah. kind of yeah. Uh, yeah. machine. Yep. It's not clear how the selection process works. It's not yep. clear how the functionaries mm-hmm. work, but they know it impacts their lives. Yep. Right. Yep. No, and I think, and that's, and that's actually, and, and, and it impacts their lives with bizarre rules that sometimes seem to not make sense, which is, which right. is Harry's mm-hmm. main encounter with, with the ministry. He gets yep. letters for things that he thinks, yeah. you know, for things, he's just trying to sort of get along and he suddenly yep. gets letters from the ministry saying he's in trouble. Yep, right. exactly. So. And they, and she very deliberately creates a negative impression of government from the get-go, right? I mean, the very first reference to Ministry of Magic is right after Harry's found out he's a wizard. He's hanging out with Hagrid. Hagrid's reading the um, Daily Prophet, Right. And his mm-hmm. comment is um, Ministry of Magic mucking things up as usual, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's your opening kind of mm-hmm. encounter with the ministry. Skepticism of, is, the, it's, of government. It's just yeah. it's screwing stuff up, right? It's a mess. So what other political theories or concepts do you particularly latch onto in the context of these books besides the Ministry of Magic, besides the governmental structure? Right. Um, I mean, again, I think I mean, I mean, one of the things there is you sort of think you have this you have this very libertarian. People are best if they're left alone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the wizards sort of have that attitude where yeah. they really just yeah. kind of want to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, even you sort of think about like, um, uh, you know, Hogwarts itself, like yeah. everybody there just kind of wants to, 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 you know, to sort of be left alone. Right. Um, and uh, <laughs> or left on to the end that as a separate institution, right? Leave yeah. it as a separate institution, yeah. and yeah, and just kind of left to do mm-hmm. do their do their own thing. Um, but even even beyond that, I think 
one there's there there is there is sort of this constant um even though even though on the one hand she wants to be democratic in one sense there is sort of this constant anti-democracy as well yeah i mean there is a very real sense that you know some wizards are better than others yeah and Mm -hmm. you know and that's and so so you do have that sort of again i mean as as so often the case in these fantasy worlds i mean you very quickly end up with an anti-democratic um, vision of, right. of, of because of, of someone's reality. special, right? Because someone is special, right. and other people are, and they're specially bad villains and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And if I can make a comparison to one of our earlier sort of fictional world podcasts, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like this is different than Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, right? And there's a lot of similarities between these works, yeah. but it's different because Tolkien had has a very full throated like. So what you need is a monarchy, right? And, and right. you need to have right. this is the institution you need. You need to have the king. You need a philosopher. He's got. He's right. got. Yeah. He's got the, the sort of legitimate power. Right. He's wise. He can rule. Um, and that power yeah. is derived from sort of his preparation for the kingship and his right accession to it, right? Based mm-hmm. on his bloodline. There's nothing like that in Rowling, right? right. It's mm-hmm. just it's more like whoever's got the ability to grab power should grab power. Um, if they're virtuous, right? And of course, the problem is if they're if they have the ability to grab power and they're not virtuous, they're still going to grab it, which is where you right. get a little bit more. And f- and furthermore, it's not um, being special, sort of a side gig. It's it's yeah. the people <laughs> people uh, and that's the virtue often episode. <laughs> virtue often comes from being um, an everyday. This is like the yeah. I'm trying to think that there's a there's a um, Horatio Hornblower. Uh, which is a classic British yes. uh, her- heroism text. It's like the heroism comes from being an everyday Brit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. an everyday yeah. good old bloke right. who just has good common sense. Uh, the James Fenimore Cooper is the, sort of the American version of this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, good common yeah. everyday sense is actually going to make you more virtuous than having sort of some mm-hmm. kind of special calling or special mm-hmm. capacities. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, other theories... Or um, or concepts that show up. I um, I think individualism plays a big role oh, in this. Yeah. We sort mm-hmm. of kicked that around a little nice bit. Connected with that libertarian, uh-huh. idea. right? Yeah, yep. right, for sure. The the other thing, I mean, just um, one of the things I think is interesting in terms of like political theory and political thought, as and is ju- is just the central place. And I, and this is, I mean, in some ways, this is almost too obvious because it's a school story. Yep. But like the place of education, yeah, and this whole yeah. thing. And so, in and some the ways, special bureaucracies of education. It, right. Yeah, the special bureaucracies of education and the thought of the, in some ways, the importance and uh, sort of the role of education in a, in yep. a citizenry. I mean, so yep. one of the things that, and again, I'm not sure that Rowling, given her dim view of government, yeah. Um, and dem is in like low, not not stupid, but yeah, right, um, right, right, right. <laughs> um, but you know, g- given 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 her low view of government, I think it's sort of interesting that sh- that schooling is seen as essential. I mean, if you yeah, are going yeah. to be a full full uh, right. citizen in sort of this this world of magic, you really need to have a good education. I mean, you need to be yeah. somebody who really knows yeah, how right. to use your powers, who know who has been educated in the proper use of those powers, and yeah. um, and so in that way, you know, obviously Hogwarts is the center of this yeah. whole thing, but there are other schools, and so you need to have gone mm-hmm. to school to have figured right. this out, and. Right. Um, and so I think I think that way, you know, if we think again, if we're sort of making comparisons to our own times, um, yep. in some ways, you know, the, the, that that vision in some ways is almost lost. I think oftentimes, and in some ways, yep. if you want to think of a useful place for Harry Potter and sort of the minds of children, it's in some ways like there's a useful, you know, basically, if you want to be a full blown citizen, you need this education, even if it yeah. feels stupid and it feels like there are pointless rules and everything right. else. Right. Um, it serves an important function. Harry Potter is kind of a good illustration of that. Yeah, you can't does use magic make, legitimately without right. completing the education. Right? Although, does she Britain. undermine her own point then by making Harry 
kind of a slacker when it comes to his actual <laughs> education. Um, this kind of because he goes. Does he really learn anything in class in, oh, s- in yeah. six years in Hogwarts? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, he does. <laughs> I mean, like you, you, because you're learning skills, right? I mean, like right. you're learning how to use the wand, so he does. I mean, he picks up. You know, a lot of it is through Hermione's extra tutoring, right? right. But, yeah. but no, he's learning from McGonagall. He certainly learns a good bit the year um, Lupin's there as Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Okay, all right, um, and, and and you know what? Like he and does Snape. learn from Snape he some. He, from he Snape. doesn't like yeah. Snape, but he does learn from him, and he certainly yeah. learns a lot from Slughorn after Snape. You know, goes to Dark sure. Arts and right. um, Slughorn takes over as Potions Master. Um, more from the textbook, right? So yay for right. books, right? Um, although that's kind of a messed up version of it, but um, but you know he does he does learn, so yeah, yeah, it's useful. I mean, it's you know Hermione gets more out of it because she's sure. a dedicated student, and right. I don't mind that message as a professor. And, and, and some, in some ways, I, th- I like that message in terms of Hermione too, because yeah. Hermione is always depicted, and I think this is true. She's she's not particularly powerful. No. Um, Hermione is actually, in, in some ways, if you're just thinking in terms of like raw potential, is actually right. pretty low right. in terms of the just pure magical ability or potential, yep. Um, yep. however that's measured. <laughs> she um, is super dedicated. But she's super dedicated, yeah. and as a result, she becomes sort of the linchpin to most right. of their plans. I mean, she's right. the one who actually usually has the power to do it, and it's not because she has innate power. Right. Um, it's because she has knowledge. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. What... Um, in terms of politics, what else does this world get right? Um, other things the world captures, like yes, that's an accurate representation of um, the, of the political system or political behaviors. Well, I think the deep desire for power and the desire to maintain it at almost any cost. I mean, like once you have it, you want to mm-hmm. keep it. Um, I think that's something that you get in the real political world. I think Rowling ac- accurately depicts that. I mean, with Cornelius Fudge, who's a kind of weak leader, he's not very competent. He's widely kind of you know, disregarded and ignored and over, you know, they're always trying to go around him and over his head and so forth. But he, um, you know, he does a lot to try to cling to power, right? Um, And he's sort of using all the the tools in his limited arsenal to do that. And then when Scrimgeour succeeds him, I mean, the same kind of thing, right? He's trying to get Harry involved um, in large part, as Harry rightly perceives, I think, to maintain Scrimgeour's own power, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and of course, Voldemort's always seeking power over <laughs> pretty much everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is, you know, that that idea that power can be corrupting, and that it sort of um, you end up desiring it for its own sake more even than what you for what you can accomplish with it. Um, I think that's that's real, and I think she does a nice job of depicting that. Okay, Mitch, how about you? Yeah, um, I think I think in some ways. Um, one of the, one of the main well, part, part of what it gets right is, but is is in some ways the limits of what government can do to some degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. there there it does it, it. There are you know, and in some ways, even though, you know, obviously there's there's a lot that that the government can do well. There are there are situations where it will be ineffective simply because for government to function, it has to be a bureaucracy, and that's always going to lead you to this um, place where sometimes it's going to be ineffective in the moment. And, and I think she gets at that pretty well. I mean, you mm-hmm. you, you, spe- mm-hmm. you know you have. I mean, just the obvious example in there is, you know, the, the minister in the ministry constantly wants to sort of deny that there's a problem yeah. with when Voldemort returns. Like, they always want to be saying it's not true, right? right. A lot of this has right. to do with fudge right. and things like that. But, you know, but there's <laughs> – yeah. but, but, but again, I mean, you oftentimes kind of see that in government bureaucracies. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the – you know, one of the ways you might think about a, a sort of a contemporary analogy is you might think about sort of the way that, uh, you know, our government has reacted to issues of climate change or something like sure. that where it's sure. like, you know, the, the impulses. Let's think about what's good politically and for power and for yep. current practitioners yep. in power. Let's not think about um, what we might actually know um, yep. and what we can do mm-hmm. or can't do. I mean, there's pr- 
certainly probably limits, but yeah. um, but yeah. the, but the, but essentially some of the some of the limits, especially that bureaucracy imposes right. on what on what governments can realistically accomplish. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the things I like about the books is that, in our, especially in our modern senses of the terms, uh, Rowling really anticipates the notions of fake news. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, and that is true. Manipulation of the media, she does. Yeah. yeah, and whether it's the actual daily profit and mm-hmm. the way that it's mm-hmm. manipulated by politicians and, and leaders to either yeah. obscure right. voter return or then to or to sensationalize it. Uh-huh. Yeah, but also, um, and I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna forget his name now. Um, Luna's dad, Mr. Lovegood. Um, oh, what is his name? Yeah. yeah. I'm forgetting his first name. I can't remember his name either. Bob. Bob Lovegood. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, his, uh, um, the, 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 the quibbler, right? Now, the only thing I, I guess I would say that was wrong with this is if there is this sort of this National Enquirer type yep. uh, um, broadsheet mm-hmm. um, that he's producing, he should be much wealthier. Like he's... he's, a, he's, he's <laughs> He's he's doing a really bad job at creating, <laughs> creating like schlocky journalism. So again, the, should, the economics sh- make no sense. He should dollar. be the pecker of his, of the of the wizarding world. Right. Um, all right. That actually leads. That, that's probably a good time to transition to. Uh, actually, do you guys have other commendables? Other things you really admire about the uh, the wizarding world? Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, I mean, the only other thing that I that I think is interesting about it, and this kind of goes back to what I said before, is is once again, it, I think I think it I think it because it's not dealing with the 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 issues at stake are always issues of sort of like magic and their use, yep. and in some ways it gives you almost more of a politics of religion in some ways mm-hmm. in that sense mm-hmm. than it does a politics of like power because the yeah. issues aren't economics and they aren't right. like war in the conventional sense. Right. Um, it gives you it, it yeah it yeah. gives it gives you sort of a sense of politics in that way. What is what is sort of in other words. It, the politics, you know, because fantasy worlds are always sort of inherently moralized. You have good guys yeah. and bad guys. Right. But because especially you have dark arts and things like that, it especially feels like a politics of religion in that way. Yeah. Um, let's 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 um, let's pick some nits. Uh, we're political scientists in the same way that doctors can't watch medical shows. <laughs> not being annoyed by the way yeah. they present procedures. Um, whenever you whenever we watch something even as benign as Harry Potter, watch a movie, read the books. Yeah. Things about the politics just don't sit well with us. We've expressed oh, a few of those things already. So the, uh, the the unclear nature of the selection yeah. processes yeah. for political leadership, the the actual nature of the bureaucracy. I really like your Vatican analogy, by the way. I think yeah. that actually makes actually, a lot works. of sense to me. Mm-hmm. What else annoys you about these books in terms of the way the political structures work? I, well, I don't know if this is particularly original, but I think in many ways um, the – the fact that for Harry and his friends, oftentimes, and, and I know we've sort of praised this to some degree because this is how it appears to middle schoolers, um, but the rules often don't make sense. Yeah. Right. Um, and so one of the things that I think that sort of gets wrong is usually rules are in place for a reason. Um, right. And and I think in some ways sort of the constant persistent drumbeat of Rowling's, like the rules never make sense, yeah. um, sort of misses something. Like Especially when Umbridge is the personification of rules. And it, she's right. quite possibly the most evil character in the book, and I'm aware that Voldemort exists. Right. Exactly. I agree with that. Um, hmm. But at any rate... Uh, at any rate, it's so, and so and so you sort of get this persistent thing where it's like, well, where are these rules coming from? Like, why, you know? So I sort of had this sort of institutional question of like, who's benefiting from these rules? Like, why, mm-hmm. why, why would these rules mm-hmm. be created in the first place? And that's just really right. not clear. Like, why would you have yeah. dumb? Why would you? Who who sets this up? Where you have a bunch of dumb rules that nobody <laughs> seems to think are a good idea? 
Right. That are un- and, and are often unenforceable and right. everyone ignores and when you ignore them things work. And out. you never change them. Like you know, um, yeah, so yeah. I mean I think that theme gets a little bit better as the books go along. Like there are more consequences for Harry breaking the rules. It turns out some of them make more sense than yeah. one spot. But especially yeah, early on and that that was that's a problem. I my here's my biggest nit. It's maybe even more than a nit, but um, as an international relations guy, <laughs> if we think about the Wizarding World, <laughs> if we think about the Wizarding World as a separate nation yes. from uh, from Muggles, the balance of power in this world makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Wizards are essentially have um, an enormous hegemony of power, yes. and for almost no, I'm not suggesting Voldemort's right. I'm not suggesting that I'm rooting <laughs> for Voldemort. But he's the only person in the in the in the books that's actually thinking about power politics as right. power politics. Um, wizards who have that much power, why would they choose to a man, to a person, to a wizard, to right. remain obscured from the rest of humanity? They make themselves very well known to goblins right. and to uh, and to other creatures and denizens of the magical world. Yeah. Why wouldn't yeah. at some point in the past? Humanity be just utterly dominated by wizards. Maybe, maybe there was some time, a yeah. hundred years ago, where where all humanity has had their brains wiped or something, that, where wizards just dominated everything. But it doesn't seem like that. Mm-hmm. And given the fact that there are different, this is we're sort of dealing with the wizards of Britain. Yes. There, there is a w- separate wizarding world in America. We're right. learning about that right. from the, the the new Fantastic Beast movies. Yeah. Um, where's this? Uh, why isn't there like large-scale wizarding conflicts over territory, which seems to be one of the few things that they can't manipulate easily? Well, mm-hmm. actually, I, so I'll actually try to respond to that really quickly because I think there are some good responses. One is um, on the international relations front, there are different wizarding, you know, sort of units. If you, I don't know if we want to call them countries, but um, so they, there are there is that kind of competition. They we do play, we they never they really play each other in Quidditch World Cups. They play each other in Quidditch World Cups, <laughs> so they have national identities um, that we seem to roughly sports. correspond yep. to. Um, <laughs> You know, two you know Muggle identities too, right? Yeah. So, so maybe there's that kind of balance of power. Which, if you're trying to balance against other wizards, then you maybe have less time to worry about Muggles. They also do explicitly say at one point, I don't remember where this is exactly. Like, kind of, why don't we get more involved with Muggles? Why don't we try to help them? Because they would want solutions to all their problems. We would always be being badgered, right? We'd be the small minority who could do stuff for them. Fine. Um, <laughs> Well, not, but not if, like, think about, like, if you want, if, you, if it's a libertarian world, if you're all super mm-hmm. individualist and you just want to do your own stuff, right? Do you really want muggles lining up and, like, cure my disease? But that's fix what the, my, that's what the market fix my is roof. for. Sure, you could, char- <laughs> you could charge them, but yeah. you don't need to because, again, uh, well, and again, now we're back to the economics problems, right? Why on earth is Arthur Weasley's house so bad? But, you know, like, you don't need that, right? You, right. Can, you can solve your problems. You don't want the what they have. Part. You don't want what they have. They have nothing that you, I mean, you can take it if you just want it. You don't need to like if you want to be like that. Um, so it's what's the upside? Like what are you? What are they going to give you? What do they have to give you in market exchange other than what Voldemort wants, which is I want to watch them suffer. I want to have sort of abject power of them. But if you don't want that, if you just want to live your own life, then I don't think they have much to offer. That's kind of the perspective they they view Muggles. I mean, kind of like we would view ants. Like we don't want to n- engage in a relationship with them because they're just kind of below us. And even the ones who view Muggles. Benevolently, it is sort of more like looking at your ant farm than it is about like thinking about them as equals, <laughs> even though they acknowledge their shared humanity. But barely, and many don't. Yeah, well, many don't. Many don't, and the ones who do, it's still sort of like, oh, bless their hearts, right? Yeah. That kind of attitude. Yeah. So, 
You said bless your hearts, and I just had a vision of a <laughs> Southern American <laughs> wizarding world, and I hopefully really, we'll get there. I some. really want that. Yeah. Now. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of a Georgian <laughs> arch wizard. Right, right, okay. Right. As Mrs. Weasley like turns on the the, the deep frying boiler to do the, right. the oh. fat to do the fried chicken you know, oh. with her wand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little wizarding gumbo. Yes. Oh, yeah. In. Yes. in. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's time, guys, to grade this world. Now, um, I've, you, you've, you've given me guff on this in the past, and I don't care. I'm going to hold you to this. You're professors. You grade things. <laughs> I need a letter grade from you on the political accuracy of this world. <laughs> It's hard. There are some things I like, but the system ultimately does not really make sense. Um, the lack of mechanisms doesn't make sense. I'm going C minus. Yeah, I mean, so and again, I, thinking of it in terms of a, 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 as 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 a religious politics, I think it feels like it makes more sense in some ways. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it. In 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 that way, I'm going to I'm going to probably engage in some great inflation here and give it a B minus. Okay. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. I'm actually with uh, Professor Bramston on this. I had a C minus written down before this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this, the, the things that are present are <laughs> usually well executed, but there are enormous gaps. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Enormous gaps that didn't that. exist in places like Star yeah. Wars and right. and especially Lord right. of the Rings, which yep. was much more comprehensive. Right. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I agree. All right. Um, time for some awards, guys. All right. So uh, we give out um, four different awards as part of these podcasts. I'll describe them, and then I'll ask you to for your nomination. Are we allowed to give the same award to more, the same person more than once? Or do you can. No one's ever got an EGOT from us, whatever the, our version of an EGOT would be. <laughs> um, but we'll see uh, how, if you can win more than one award. Um, okay. The first award is the Machiavelli Award, yep. which is given to the character in the stories who is the shrewdest politician. Mm-hmm. Who is the shrewdest politician? Maybe we should start with more on this one. Yeah. Um, wait, I'm the shrewdest politician? Well, you should. You, 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 you are the to, department chair, are you not? That's true. You've, you've risen to power. Amassed power. Yep, that's right. So. Crushed um, your opponents. That's right. We pull out our bruises. I think the shrewdest politician. I'm, I'm going to take some controversial stances in these awards. All right. right. All right. Good. Um, the, the shrewdest politician in this, uh, in this series is, is Dolores Umbridge. Yeah, I agree with that actually. Um, but you guys she is, she's, uh, she's an apparatchik through and through. She is yeah. um, extremely skilled at manipulating the system. And were it not essentially for a violent uprising, mm-hmm. um, she would probably be the minister of magic and in charge of this whole world. Mm-hmm. She actually doesn't even need Voldemort to carry out her designs. She is an orthogonal threat uh, mm-hmm. to 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 uh, Harry uh, the, to the Order of the Phoenix's vision yeah. of what the Wizarding mm-hmm. World should look like, yep. and, and really one that they're ill-equipped to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, she's a good she's a good choice. That all makes a lot of sense. Um, the classic choice is obviously Voldemort here. I mean, like, he, he does... But he makes some awful blunders. Well, so does she, to be fair. I mean, she she makes some pretty... She overreaches, right? Yes, um, yes. And, yeah, and so, sure. like, and he overreaches. Um, but he's also... He's also pretty shrewd about getting, getting things, you know... To work around the way to the way he wants them mm-hmm. a lot of the time. I mean, the other the other choice I debate, and this is where I might choose the same person for multiple words, is Dumbledore himself. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Dumbledore yeah. is by far the most far seen. Ultimately, of mm-hmm. course, his designs succeed. 
Um, he anticipates a lot of you know crazy things the Ministry of Magic is going to do. For example, when Harry has to show up for his hearing and they're mm. all there three hours early because they realize the Ministry is probably going to change the, the rules at the last second right. and attempt to sort of catch them on technicality. Um, so he's pretty shrewd. So I would almost go with Dumbledore here, mm, even though right. I'm going to want to award him again later. So. My problem with Dumbledore is my same problem with Voldemort, which is both of them uh, rely on their political machinations on an almost Rube Goldbergian level of, of a number of things that have to happen. Think about, <laughs> yeah, think, about think about Voldemort yep, plan, yep, uh, in his yep. horcruxes. Like, yeah, he's yeah. phenomenally dumb in the things he assigns to be horcruxes. Oh, it's so bizarre. Um, you know, it, it's, it's fetishization. He, he should make them into incredibly dull mundane objects which he could then secure <laughs> in unassailable places instead right. he creates sort of like quest objects which is great for storytelling yes, terrible for political leadership right yeah right. there's a weird um, there's, there's a weird actually a way you could do this like a sort of a, like a Bruce Wayne <laughs> Mosquito selectorate theory yeah. like he's he's come up with a series of selectorates that um, are in fact going to lead to his downfall <laughs> although to be fair to Voldemort here um he did put pretty decent protections on them. They mm-hmm. get overcome by some pretty compel- uh, like overwhelming means. I mean, like no one's ever successfully uh, robbed Gringotts, right? And sure. he's got this in a really secure vault. Um, but yeah, there's some bizarre like moments where he trusts other people with things like mm-hmm. the diary to Lucius, for example. Exactly. Right. Um, which is which is weird. So yeah, Mitch, do you have a nominee for the for the Machiavelli Award? Uh, my my nominee was also going to be uh, uh, Dolores. Okay. So, uh, although I just just to mention someone we haven't mentioned, I guess the other yeah. person who might be a contender in there would be Lucius. Yeah, um, he's so a survivor. He's a survivor, and I think what's interesting about Lucius, uh, I, and I was thinking about. Um, oh, now I'm blanking on the in, in Les Mes, the people who are always getting away. Um, Anyway, regardless, uh, yeah. So he's he's always he he always finds a way to sort of make him advance advance his own interests. Like he's not he doesn't have an agenda besides himself, um, but he always seems to find a way to sort of make him to try to make himself come out on top. He always wants to be on the winning side, and somehow even when his side loses, he still manages to weasel around to still still be to still be there. He's, yeah, I would describe him more as a survivor than a true Machiavellian. Like, I mean, he does always manage to squirt his way out <laughs> and live to fight another day. But he doesn't seem to accomplish his objectives all that often. Like, he ends, mm-hmm. often ends up on the wrong end of it. But, yeah, but he's certainly a survivor. So. All right, we're going to do this next one uh, quicker because I think we've already kind of addressed it. But um, then our next award is the Asa Modwood Robinson Award, uh, for, which we could all call, also call the Achebe Award, perhaps. For How do things fall apart in this the system? Achebe Award. <laughs> um, <laughs> So what is the uh, – what, what, given the flaws of this system or given the structure of the system, how does it break down? And I'll go first here because I've already made my case. Yep. This system breaks down along economic lines. In a world in which mm-hmm. scarcity is scarce, um, it's not clear to me why there actually is a politics in this world uh, yeah. that's driven by normal means. Right, right. Uh, that's why I think, Mitch, you've actually kind of helped resolve it a little bit with this sort of religious notion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Even though Raleigh doesn't treat her people as particularly devout in any kind of way. no, no right. not in any kind of traditional sense. So, are there right. other ways that this that the politics of the Harry Potter world break down? Well, I, so I thought about this question a little differently. Like, how does how do things fall apart for them within within? The, so if I accept the structures they have, mm-hmm. and it's I think a lack of virtue. I mean, like it, the, mm-hmm. the the political mm-hmm. system is completely predicated on people being virtuous, and so if they're virtuous, right. it works, right? Um, if you're Arthur Weasley, and you don't want to abuse your power over Muggles, then you'll be a virtuous sort of handler of muggle artifacts. And you're a good you're, communitarian libertarian. Yeah, and if you're a Voldemort and you want to abuse them, then you'll abuse them, right? Yeah. And so it's 
it, it kind yeah. of depends completely on personal virtue, which is a problematic way to build a yeah. political system. Yeah. You content with that, Mitch? Yeah. No, I think that's 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 more or less right. There's, I mean, I mean, another way to put it is just there's virtually no checks and balances. I yep. mean, yep. we we don't we yep. don't count on any kind of situation where somebody might be a bad right. actor. Right. So, yep. um, our next award um, is the Erasmus Award, uh, which is given to the character who is the most noble politician, um, who exercises the most virtue as they play politics. Not the bad, not the good guy, mm-hmm. but the most noble. I'm going Dumbledore here. I mean, I think that he's he's you know really like he is engaged. He doesn't want to do the you know ministry because he feel fears too much power being concentrated in his own hands. But he was head of the wizen gamut. Um, he's willing to step into the process to advocate for things he sees as you know as um, right. Mm-hmm. And and he's also I mean you know he understands the politics of the world really well. Right. So. I'm going to go a step further, actually, and mm-hmm. advance and advocate for Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. In that Dumbledore, uh, as as is clear from the books, is always playing the long game on everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> and what Dumbledore perceives, for I sure. think, correctly in this world, in his world, and perhaps even in our world, is that the most important thing you can do politically is educate the young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so, in many ways, what Dumbledore is doing in terms of his political exercises is right. he sort of sees that whatever's happening in the ministry today is actually not going to hold up for that long, and it right. really doesn't matter that much right now what really matters is what's going on with young people right now and so that's where he concentrates his efforts his political efforts in that sense are completely well placed and that he wants the wizarding world to look like again sort of if we want to think of the phoenix vision Mm -hmm. um, he wants it to be the phoenix vision and he knows the best way to do that is to train up the next the next generation to be phoenix vision people yeah i'm going to go in a different direction Um, not because i think dumbledore is a, a bad choice although i do think to be a noble, to be to be an Erasmus Award winner, one has to have a little bit more adherence to the rules. Dumbledore almost always looks for opportunities to flaunt them, mm-hmm, usually sure. in virtuous yeah. ways, but still, right. still flaunting the rules. Yep. Um, in contrast, I'm going to nominate Hermione Granger. Hmm. Um, now we're here. I'm not thinking so much about the the, the sure. Ministry of Magic, but sort of the rules of Hogwarts, mm-hmm. where she is. Yeah. Um, very, her, her orientation is to be a rule follower mm-hmm. and to follow rules even when she doesn't quite understand them until the point that it becomes clear to her that they are wrong or immoral and then she will mm-hmm. subvert the rules but right. usually always in a way that returns them to the rules as quickly as possible Right, right. so to me yeah. I think she seems like the most noble kind of political actor mm-hmm. um, not, mm-hmm. slav- not slavish to the rules but, mm-hmm. um, yep. but with, a, with a real deference to them um, yeah. until they mm-hmm. become immoral yeah mm-hmm. that's a fair case yeah but that le- that leads the that that leaves me uh, my last category blank, which I really excited <laughs> to see what you guys. Sam proposed this award, but I'm sad he's not here to talk about this. It's the yes. Leslie Nope Award. Yep. Uh, the Leslie Nope Award is given to the character that persists slo- solely or almost <laughs> or mostly on misplaced enthusiasm. <laughs> so who's just raw cheerfulness buoys them through the uh, through the Harry Potter world? So f- I, I will say two things. I, I, I will. I have a nominee for this if we yes. must, but yeah. I think this is a an award that doesn't really fit into the Harry Potter world. <laughs> okay. like, I just don't think it works. Like I think that the characters are all sufficiently negative that I don't. I don't think there's a great <laughs> candidate. Having can, said can, that, can we talk about who we've given this award to previously to in other, in other uh, worlds? Do you re, do you remember all this off the top of your head? Well, I, I do remember for okay. sure we gave it to Samwise Gamgee. Samwise, yeah, for and sure, I'm pretty right. sure we we had a, yeah. this, a strong debate about Jar Jar Binks in the Star oh, Wars worlds. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Oh, this is but now we've now mentioned Jar Jar Binks in one podcast too many. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so 
if I have to award it, I think I'm going Arthur Weasley. Mm. Um, he does That's have a, a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah, he sticks. Choice. He sticks with his yep. job in the ministry. He's he's very like you know, just sort of always almost kind of indefatigable. Um, and it's yeah. it's interesting actually. Like at one point, Rowling thought about killing Arthur Weasley. She was going to kill him off. Yeah. And then she couldn't do it. Um, so she actually kills Lupin and Tonks instead. Later, she said she sacrificed them because she didn't, didn't ultimately couldn't quite pull the trigger on Weasley. And I think because she just couldn't get rid of such a mm-hmm. a cheery like sort of character. And I think yeah. you know, so. So if the if this exists, I would go with Weasley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, I, a, do you have a nope nominee? Uh, yeah. I mean, so I actually. Uh, Having heard that, I'm actually probably convinced that we should give it to we All should right. give it to Weasley. Yeah, yeah, but okay. I was also thinking I was also thinking uh, perhaps uh, Neville. Um, oh, so yeah. ne- Neville Neville too. frequently is is doing the right thing, not because it's necessarily the smart thing, or right, because right. he even has a good reason for it, Neville. but he's just <laughs> trying to do the right thing no matter yeah. what, and he just sort of yeah. blindly counts on doing the right thing as sort of like working out and as. Rolling actually rewards him in the end. It does, yeah. like you know, yeah. just yeah. blindly, constantly doing the right thing, even when it seems stupid, yeah. um, actually does make him the hero in the end. Yeah, yeah. I I like those ideas. It's not my 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 nominee um, is a lot bigger. It's a lot hairier. Mm. It's Rubius Hagrid. Oh, absolutely. Actually, yeah, that's great. Too. Um, Hagrid uh, has no reason to be the groundskeeper at Hogwarts. It's sort <laughs> of a, some kind of deal he's worked out as a extended TA ship with yes, uh, yes. with Dumbledore. <laughs> Um, he is a terrible wizard. Um, he's, yes. he's he's not even technically a wizard because he's he didn't finish. He's his an unlicensed wizard. Uh, right. He is um, a poor groundskeeper. He reg- uh, he regularly puts children in mortal danger. Uh, whatever the wizarding world of the, uh, of the uh, child protective services is should immediately yes. be on his case. Yes. Um, he it's 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 only his raw friendliness and loyalty <laughs> right. that makes him endearing and it's yes. if not yeah. for that he's a hazard to himself and everyone around him <laughs> so true uh, yes this yeah, is true. Yeah. so all right that's 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 the awards um i'll i'll, I'll concede arthur weasley to you but i'm uh, hagrid has a special place i don't know yeah I, I would say it's a real toss up between hagrid and weasley actually yeah they're both they're yeah. both real contenders i guess i was thinking of some of these more in terms of politics itself yeah um but yeah if you're going to go just with like their his raw cheerfulness there's there's a lot of yeah, that. yeah yeah um all right, gentlemen. We uh, we have other things we need to attend to, and other places we need to go, and we're going to apparate off here in just a moment. <laughs> but uh, any last words on the Harry Potter world? I think I'm good. Yeah. I mean, the one thing we didn't talk about that I think I mentioned to you, Chris, earlier um, is there's a wonderful moment uh, in book six that Addie read to me and pointed out um, where um, – uh, I believe it's Neville is trying to decide on his final like round of classes, mm-hmm. and uh, he he he's upset because he can't continue in Transfigurations if I remember mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. um, he doesn't have a high enough grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, McGonagall says, "Well, why don't you specialize in charms because you have exceptional grades there, and yeah. you should just you should be a you know basically a charms yeah. master or whatever." Um, and he says, "Well, his grandmother." said that charms were a soft science and so she didn't want to and so and so he didn't want to do that Mm -hmm. and McGonagall has like this really harsh um, (laughs) response to this where she basically says just because your grandmother struggled in charms doesn't make it a less worthy um, uh, thing to study it's essentially just as important as everything else and I think that's it's sort of you know especially in a college atmosphere where we're where 
really for the first time students are supposed to be specializing. Yep. I think that's actually yep. a good attitude to have where a lot of times mm -hmm. students come in and they feel like if they aren't able to sort of continue with whatever specialization they've chosen or they thought yep. they were going to be good at or that their parents were good at, mm -hmm. then they sort of have this moment of feeling like failure. And, but I think McGonagall's attitude of, you yep. know, just because this wasn't your where your parents' strengths are or where right. something else is, that doesn't mean it's not an important thing to study and it's not right. just as important as everything else. And if that's your strength, then you yep. should, or your passion or whatever, that's what you should um, focus on and you should be, you should embrace that and, and become mm -hmm. the best person you can be in that way. Yeah. The exception is divination, though, which well, really is a soft. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Apologies to my divination scholars out there. Um, McGonagall is my academic hero. I love our deans here, but I want McGonagall to be my dean. Um, <laughs> Whoa, scary dean, though. I mean, like, yes, yeah. Like, you know, I, I feel a lot less she intimidated She might turn me into a ferret. Yeah. yeah. Right, um, right. She could. She yes. Yeah. All right. On behalf of my colleagues here at Bethel University, you've been listening to a special episode of Election Shock Therapy. If you dig this kind of thing, um, we'll be back with another fictional world in a, in a little bit, in a few weeks. Uh, but we'll be back with regular, good old-fashioned our world muggle politics um, <laughs> next week on behalf of my colleagues here thanks for listening and um uh wingardium leviosa <laughs> <laughs>